to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns, we're featuring Wallet Nation. That's a peer-to-peer cryptocurrency payments platform founded by fintech expert Angela Clark and Australian inventor Rick Richardson. It's their view that cryptocurrency should go beyond trading on a platform. The aim of Wallet Nation is to make payments via crypto ubiquitous and certainly a lot easier, and they'll tap into blockchain technology to do so. The co-founder of Wallet Nation, Angela Clark, joins me now. Ange, welcome to the program. Hi, Justin. Well, Wallet Nation. Uh, that's a little bit of a step outside your natural professional career. How did you first get involved with Wallet Nation? Well, first of all, I don't know if anyone's ever described me having a natural professional career, but <laughs> <laughs> I um, I do, I do. You and you and I have had a you know some um, history with each other in, in past yes, lives and radio, etc. And I think you and I are in part similar in the sense of we've pursued new things. So every job I've done, I think, is the first time I've done that job. I think when I was in radio, it was the first and only time I was in radio. But then, um, Mm. yeah, since went on to financial services and fintech and now in blockchain payments, I think I'm more interested in the problem space. But I do think when I was back in radio was the first time, I think, the beginnings of sort of real Web2 platform strategy era where I became particularly fascinated with what technology could do, um, mm-hmm. the, good, the good and the bad of it. And I, I guess coming out of traditional uh, P2P payments um, was incredibly interested in what um, my co-founder Rick Richardson uh, was working on in blockchain or crypto payments. So, yeah, I sort of probably did, don't have a linear sort of standard career, but it kind of makes I sense. I think that's to me. a good thing. That's <laughs> it a good thing. makes sense to me, even if it doesn't make sense to anybody it makes, else. I think it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when um when you were sort of looking for your next your next big thing, obviously there would mm. have been a few options on the table for you. What was mm. it that you saw in Wallet Nation that thought, well, actually this is I like this space. This is something I could I could get into. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily focused on thinking about having come out of um, traditional P two P payments. wasn't necessarily focused on thinking about going back into payments. But when Rick approached me after I left Beamit, I think that you know there's a in Web two there's a lot of um, a lot of oligopolies and monopolies got disrupted by big tech. But of course, big tech has also become very oligopolistic or monopolistic. So we've sort of seen a concentration of power coming out of Web2. And mm. as much as that's where my digital strategy and interest has been, I've, I think I've been always orientated around how do we make things better for you know, people, citizens, small businesses, like the people who actually do most of the hard work in the world. Yes. I'm not saying that it's you know the big businesses aren't doing anything of value that they certainly course, are but a lot course. of the um you know the, the the real graft is being done by the people who are making and doing stuff and you know olig- oligopolistic concentration of power is i think not great for the world generally so i see a lot i saw a lot of promise in and i still see a lot of promise in blockchain for kind of releasing some of that i guess in Pay- payments is like a fundamental enabler. Like if 
businesses can or individuals can take more control themselves over um, the transfer of their store of value, their money that they've made or created or want to pay people with, um, is just you know, billions, if not trillions of dollars worth of value to be returned to people. So hmm. I think it interests me both on a um, passionately uh, um, about what we can do in payments for other business models. So that's, I think, very, yeah, very exciting. And so when you started having a conversation with Rick saying, yes, I'm, I'm keen to get into that, how did you then take that leap and and get into the business because it's, um, you know, in many ways, I, I suppose that's a, that's a leap of faith, but one I think you've done with some confidence. Ooh, is that, am, I, am I seeming? Yes. I don't know if it's with some confidence. I think when Rick first... It was more Maybe it's Rick, trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> it's more when Rick first approached me. It's sort of, um, I was very interested in the pro- like the problem he's solving, like why hadn't uh, crypto really realised what it was originally, to Bitcoin originally developed for, which was for, you know, a, a peer-to-peer um real-time you know payments and yet had become this sort of speculative um you know its speculative use cases have become the focus of activity so he was looking at how do we get crypto to deliver on its real original promise i think when i first spoke to rick i was uh i thought i understood what he said and i and i was excited (laughs) by what he said It, it does it was hurting my head quite a lot and um yes it was you know, like you, when you, your brain thing. has to work so mm. hard, you, it, it actually gives you a headache. Um, but I do like that sensation. So I, I, I sort of, um, you know, Rick spent some time educating me. I've spent some time educating myself, you know, gone off and done blockchain strategy courses from reputable, you know, world-class universities overseas. Was that hard? Because it's 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 not an easy thing to get your head around. Did you did you take it from... Okay, I think I know what this is, but I'm I'm going to strip it back and start from square one, so I really understand what's going on. I do like to try to really understand what's going on, even if I know I'm never going. I'm not a technologist. I'm never going to be, you know, um, have that not granular yeah. le- level of understanding. I do think it's really important to understand how the things work because if you're trying to do something innovative or you want to, um, like I think you know, Rick's a you know, a genuine sort of genius inventor. Um, and yes. that's, you know, real, that kind of innovation. I think I am more an innovator of things that exist, putting them together in new ways to unlock value. But to do yes. that, even the bit that I do, which is not as um, straining on brain capacity, I don't think, or it's different, um, <laughs> you have to understand what those things do and what potential you know combinations because you can apply often new technology to problems um in new ways that people haven't thought of and surprisingly amounts of value can be unlocked just from, um, yeah, the, you know, the way that you can solve multiple problems kind of together, as it were. Mm, yes. um, so, yeah, I, don't, I think I think I'd, I probably know yeah, enough to be dangerous. Is that the right sort of thing now? Like, <laughs> I so, so. I but I think I'm still amateur. very, yeah. very aware that I, I am, you know, still um, learning. There's so many, you know, there's so much to learn. It changes so rapidly. So it's just an endless learning curve, really, in crypto and blockchain, which is great. I love actually feeling very ignorant because then I know that I have to ask lots of questions, and I always, you know, I can't assume anything. So it's not a bad place to be. So if we if we look at 
Wallet Nation, what it does, what it's bringing to market. How do mm. you how do you describe what Wallet Nation is? This is one of the the challenges of startups. You're supposed to be able to describe this really simply. So. I now describe it simply as just taking the risk out of crypto payments, you know, no risk crypto payments. And then if mm-hmm. people, for people who might not be in um, the sort of blockchain crypto world, it's a funny thing that, um, you know, crypto does do payments really uh, elegantly and without a lot of, um, it's in lots of ways not problematic. You literally just, if you have a crypto wallet, you type in another wallet address and the coin can go to another wallet you don't need payment company you don't need a bank account i mean what could be more um elegant and transformational in uh, than that however so it's almost like the technical superiority of blockchain is its weakness because Mm. that is so simple and because no intermediaries um are required because once that's done it is immutable uh, unfortunately humans aren't as uh, perfect as blockchain is for solving this problem and humans make (laughs) mistakes or do things wrong or aren't as honest as maybe they should be or make promises they can't keep or all sorts of different things can go wrong. So um, we kind of ironically need some of the flex that we have that is provided provided by all these intermediaries, you know, trust, um, reversibility, ability to mediate a dispute when, you know, parties can't agree, all these things. They don't exist because we've just got the technical blockchain superiority um, yes. uh, and we haven't got um, the, the sort of human systems, if you like. They're not necessarily all human because you can have in our solutions a combination of technology plus um, dispute resolution processes. So, um, yeah, so what, what we've really done is make it a, a protective transfer wallet so that those characteristics that exist today in payments and people should rightly expect um, exist in crypto, which is I want surety of payment, you know, before I go and send you something um, or start um, doing something for you, you know, providing services to you. But I also want sort of reversibility and a sort of dispute process. And I might want that dispute process and reversibility grounded in, you know, real world um, legal grounding or in a, you know, a reputable um, mediator or customer service experience. And and do you think, Ange, that there's still general nervousness and anxiety uh, from people when it comes to paying with cryptocurrency and receiving funds via crypto? Yeah, I do think there is. I mean, ironically, um, someone who I, w- I was looking at um, a problem that someone I know quite well posted the other day, which is a lot of people have first started um, dabbling in crypto through digital currency exchanges, which are kind of, uh, which are an intermediary. Like if you don't, yes, you know, don't right. hold your keys, you kind of, you know, don't, don't, don't have your coin, but, but they are holding that for you. They're custodying, um, uh, if you like, your crypto for you. So it's a, it's a bank like, I'm not saying that they are a bank, but that's, it's a bank like mm. intermediary. Um, so the thing with that, that's about really reducing, um, you know, there's lots of value in that for people. There's um, often a better user experience. There's a lot less nervousness, ironically, because we're not used to looking after our own money, as it were, or our own coin because we usually have you know banks doing that for us Mm. i think that um 
the real value though in crypto payments, cryptocurrency is in non-custodial wallets, is is in actually taking back um you know that con- direct control of your assets yourself because you don't you don't really need intermediaries. You know, the, the, the reason the intermediaries are coming back into the ecosystem is because people are worried about losing their keys and they're worried about making mistakes. So if we can solve yeah. solve right. those problems yes. for people, then we can really give back the value because as soon as intermediaries come in, even if, you know, they, it's fair exchange for value that they're providing, they're, pro- they're taking money out of the ecosystem for trust and convenience um, and for your... Yeah, the nervousness that I, you know, I don't have someone to call if something goes wrong. If I just have the, the wallet myself and I type in the wrong wallet address, well, that's my hard. Yeah, that's right. Who do you, you know? Who call do you go Why to? do I want to take that risk? Who do I go to? I haven't got a brand. Mm. The fault's my own, etc. So, um, but those are problems. Well, certainly that where um, we feel we've solved um, a bunch of them, but a lot of people around the world are working on solving, and I'm very confident will be solved. So. Yeah, you often you often hear. It's good enough, but you often hear about people forgetting their passwords. You know, I've got yeah. thirty million dollars worth of Bitcoin, but yeah. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't log on. Um, yeah. d- does Wallet Nation at all try to help solve that problem? Well, let's say, oh, the, the, I think the example I was about to give, which I didn't, was like, so if someone is on digital currency exchange and they wanted to move their coin to a non-custodial wallet, like people are just so nervous about just doing something wrong and even setting that up. So you could, for example, use a, a Wallet Nation protective transfer wallet even just to set up your own non-custodial wallet. And the reason, to your point, this then you might do that is because um, I don't want to worry about losing my keys so I'll yes. put it in put it in the protective transfer wallet. There'll be a uh, deep freeze offline storage of those um, of those keys, including you know an encryption of the private key. Um, so yeah, there are lots of ways, and we're not obviously there are lots of other kinds of ways to protect your keys in the ecosystem. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a real issue, and there are lots of different solutions. But I think we'll see them evolve. And you do like a bit like that example I gave. You need solutions for particular use cases. You know, mm. not just that I've set up my um, my wallet and I want a way of safely storing the keys, not to put it in a um, in the you know in some food in the freezer or something in case I lose it or something. I've heard that one. <laughs> I've frozen a copy of my passwords in a plastic it. bag in, uh, in in some food in the freezer, um, you know, to hardware, you know, hardware yes. storage and all sorts of things. So, yeah. Yes. But so, we're getting there. Wallet, Wallet Nation is um, it's only very new. It's a, it's a new concept. I think you only got, got going this year. So how's, mm-hmm. how's the progress been since from, from sort of concept stage to launching the business and and getting rolling what's what's all of that been like and and how have you progressed yeah it's been it's been good it's been interesting for me to go through the process from you know day one i haven't i've had a startup myself i don't know if you remember back in the day on um sort of citizen powered media which maybe is ironically mm. a little bit showing that maybe i had web3 type philosophical Definite Web3 vibes there, yes. Web3 vibes, Um, the people taking back the power. Um, 
but so we did we built the prototype and we um have commenced build of the beta so yeah looking forward to people in the community starting to use it shortly it will be you know a beta version um you'll be able to have a protected transfer and then you know opt for a dispute resolution should something go um wrong with that so yeah i think it's exciting building something from scratch a bit you know, nerve-wracking. It's a important mm, stuff to get right. But really interested and excited about the, you know, community starting to be able to have a, um, a, you know, a real experience of doing it and seeing what all the use cases might be around it. Are you, are you able to offer a view on how far off it's going to be until cryptocurrencies are being used? There's widespread adoption of crypto in payments everywhere. I'm always able to offer a view, Justin, you know that. Um, mm. What do you think? View, is the view reasoned or considered is the question. I think that uh, we underestimate, particularly in, um, you know, in developed countries, I think we underestimate how widely it is used already. Um, okay. You know, even in the US, like even in the reserve um, the Fed Reserve's report on use of crypto as a payment, you know, 3% of US adults last year had used it for a payment of good or service. Now that to some people sounds very low. Um, I think that sounds, it's very high given where it is. Yes, it, it, I would, yeah. 3%. Yeah, 3% of adults. That is high. Yeah, mm. yeah. So and I think it's 2% of that is for an actual good or service and 1% was transfers. I think I got that the right way around. Um, and in developing world, the world is a lot higher than that. Like we've obviously coming into a period where we're all starting to experience, you know, inflation. Um, but if you were sitting mm. in Africa or South America, you, you, there's no novelty in inflation. If anything, people have been living with hyperinflation and, you know, government um, currency devaluations for a long time. So crypto um, has been, you know, seen as um, in a probably more important part of their ecosystem for longer than it ha- than it is in in countries where we've had very stable currencies and we've got good strong sort of payment systems or payment systems that are fairly you know slick in terms of their user experience. So, um, but I think the thing is um, ultimately, if we can unlock a lot of value for people, I do think the world is going to to transition probably a lot more quickly than people think. To crypto payments because um, that's the killer use killer. I think to me, um, USB, um, you know, so which is it's just going to be a lot more efficient and a lot more um, value can stay with the people who who are creating the value. So, user experience and is that what, is that what you see yet. as the market? That, is that what you see as the market opportunity then for for Wallet Nation? I see it as the market opportunity for crypto payments sort of generally. Like if you think about all the complexity that exists today in uh, anything, any kind of payment that has to go into a trust or has to be held, like a, a simple one, I you know, construction progress payments, you know, there's yes. all these kind of infrastructure behind and, you know, um, re- you know, custody risk. If you put your money into a, a trust account or an escrow account and then people have to administer that, that all comes with risk, so they have to charge more and more fees. If it's in a non-custodial wallet, you know, it literally sits on the blockchain. No one actually has to hold the custody of it and you can mm. protect it until a, um, 
a you know piece of construction work and then it's released I and mean, it sounds like a very sort of basic example but i think basic examples are good you know a lot of complexity and cost has been removed from you know construction payments that's a that's a big use case all around the world and just be mm. better for everybody um so i think there are lots of and you think about that once you have stable quite sort of um you know one for one backed fiat stable coins you just you just do that in stable coins it's just you can replace um yeah masses of inefficiency and create a lot of value so let alone e-commerce and all sorts of cross mm. you know cross border sort of um uh, payment examples, etc. So yeah, I do think that it is <laughs> to the extent that it sounds it's very that it's to be excited about payments. It's very exciting, and I you know payments. <laughs> every, I like um, receiving them, maybe not making them. <laughs> well, and if you don't think about like payments, because that's a bit like you say, you know, in, in I think in really good payment businesses, you don't see it as a as a payment. Like we really see ourselves more like an AWS um, in crypto payments, which is we're just providing a protective. A protective service but what that means in blockchain it means that businesses and people can administer the payments themselves in a way that works for their use case um cutting out the middleman yeah like at the moment you know uber's really like got a, is a payments business behind the scenes but you can build yes. that means a whole lot of people could build um you know all sorts of um you know it takes 30 percent for the privilege of all of that experience but you could create much more decentralized trust systems I'm now making this up, you know, but in 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 ta- in uh, an Uber-like experience, uh, without having to, you know, that that middleman be getting thirty percent of the, the the ticket. So I think there's just incredible um, types of businesses that can be built really well once we all get this infrastructure right. So and we just want to be part of the infrastructure side of it, as it were. Mm. So what about um, probably very early stage? Do you have competitors in this space? businesses coming to market trying to do the same sort of thing or are you out there flying the flag on your own as far as you know it it's a very big problem space so there are it's not like there aren't um people attempting to solve the problem you know you can transfer um you know if you've got a trusted wallet address and you feel you feel comfortable just making that payment and you don't you're not worried about reversibility or you're not worried about sort of dispute that can be facilitated very well. There are sort of escrow providers that put the money into a you know third party mm-hmm. wallet. There's sort of multi sig solutions. Uh, what we're really trying to um, solve and what we think hasn't been solved is a solution that works in a sort of mass consumer way, and yes. that works really well for the two parties to, in the majority of cases, be able to resolve that themselves. So if you can protect a transfer but the release mechanism is between those two parties. That's a genuine P2P or peer-to-peer um, payment, but with protective um, mm. protective uh, value. So, you know, multi-sig and all these things, that they're, they're just much more operationally and coordination-wise more complicated. Um, and anytime you have a custody or someone in the middle, you have custody risk, you know, so... If it is an escrow wallet or, you know, someone's holding the funds until something's completed, um, yeah, there is a risk of that, you know, party running off with the funds or something happening to it. Um, you don't actually have control of the the money yourselves between those two party parties um, or the payment themselves. So we don't think there's anything um, like 
wallet nation. That's not to say that there aren't really good solutions for other kinds of use cases. Of course, you know, the obvious one is smart contracts, but um, everyone, particularly because it's a very, we're in a very tech heavy engineering led phase of um, the crypto industry. So a lot of people, you know, us, we might say, oh, we don't need this, we have smart contracts, but um, more kind of payments, um, user experience people like me would say, well, that's nice, that's great, fantastic, um, but just most payment journeys don't have fully digitised um, binary yes-no answers to executing on payments that are, you know, full. the whole payment journey is connected um, by those digitised um, APIs and that where people would be happy on a yes, no binary input to transfer their money. There are obviously use cases for that. You know, if I bidding on a marketplace and I put the highest amount in and the contract just executes based on that simply. But even in e-commerce, it's not, you know, even though theoretically you could digitise that, I could scan a barcode if I'm the courier driver and say that I've delivered the parcel. Um, But my home delivery toilet paper the other day, which they said had been delivered to my place, was delivered to, you know, the another neighbor. house, another house, which I, well, I don't even recognise the house, but you know they digitised it. They had a photograph. They said it had been executed. Uh-huh. So, yes. you know, there's not there's a most payment experiences aren't going to work in a, for, in, a, in a smart for a smart smart contract. So maybe not, maybe not most is not the right way to put it. Um, a lot of just everyday real world use cases are not going to be fully digitised yet. So I, I think it's probably fair to say that most people these days would have heard at least of Bitcoin, maybe some of the other coins, and it's it's been pretty volatile, certainly over the last 12 months, most, mostly going down the, the digital currencies. Does, is Wallet Nation affected by that volatility at all? Um, or, or do you sit outside of that? Maybe just even from a confidence point of view, does does it make running the business a bit harder if um, digital currencies are, are in the doldrums or is are you completely separate and independent of that? I think what uh, my observation would be, you probably have, you know, similar observations, Justin, which is because a lot of the media focus is on um, speculative nature of certain key cryptocurrencies. Yes, uh, yes. That... There's such a degree of, I don't know if the right word is confusion, but um, a misunderstanding of the difference between blockchain as um, infrastructure and then Mm -hmm. there's obviously blockchain as financial infrastructure because blockchain can be used for other kinds of Of applications, not just as financial infrastructure. And cryptocurrency as the facilitating you know, layer on top of blockchain as financial infrastructure, I think is um, the speculative value of, of cryptocurrency is relatively uh, irrelevant to the value at stake there. Um, mm. Not because that if I have a speculating currency, you know, you, obviously that will affect um, how much people are inclined to use a, a, a coin that is volatile for payments. That does obviously affect people's... Um, desirability to either spend that kind of coin or to accept that kind of coin. But that's already been solved. Um, volat- if volatility does affect your inclination to use a coin for a payment, it's already been solved with stable coins and we're seeing 
you know, a very um, rapid development of stable coins in all kinds of fiats. We are. Yes. Yeah. So, but um, we're, again, back to that sort of theme, you know, between technology and humans. We're humans. So um, sentiment where people say, oh, something went down does affect people's yeah, sentiment about things or, mm. yeah, yeah. But the, to me, yeah, they're unrelated. If anything, you know, I'd say it's quite good for people to, to not be focusing so much on the speculative nature of certain coins mm. and to be fake, focused a lot more on the fundamentals of what this new technology era can do for a whole bunch of industries and economies and people. When, when Ange, when you're describing to your friendship group what you're doing with yourself these days, have they yeah. got any idea what it is you're doing? If you start talking about <laughs> Web3 and digital wallets, do their, eye, do their eyes glaze over or do they sort of get it? I think to your point, some people um, just think of, of it in terms of whether a cryptocurrency has gone up or down. So it might be as simple yes. as, oh, but hasn't that all gone down in value? <laughs> <laughs> so aren't you doing something that's sort of not very, you know, um, yeah. it's not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. Um, other people, I think, are really, there's a lot of people. It's, I think it's the first era where we've expected people to understand how a technology works. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. Like I don't think there's many people who understand how Web2 technology works. And I don't think we ever ask the general population to understand how it works. But yet... It delivered such incredible convenience and incredible consumer products, and this, you know, has done and still does in our lives. You know, there's some, I'd argue, some bad things that have come with it. Maybe the decline of democracies, you know, because of the effect on <laughs> on uh, yeah. free free on media around the world. You and I can have a longer conversation yeah. about yes, that. Yes, that's a separate podcast. That's a separate podcast. That's not a crypto one. Um, or well, mind you, there's some interesting stuff in crypto and, and media and social media, but we won't get into that. Um, but I think other people, so people want to, want to um, understand it. And because I'm fairly, um, I like to reduce my knowledge to sort of fairly basics, I have a, a fairly good go at under, explaining the basics of blockchain to people, which I find the easiest way to do it is, is in kind of ledger systems versus, techn you know, technology. You know, they don't start talking about hashes and stuff to people. Mm. Um I think people are in the main quite interested. And, it, you know, your friends are always interested in, well, good friends are always interested in why you're interested. Why are you interested in it? Yes. Interesting, you know. So um, at some point, yeah, I think that like me when I first met Rick, you know, your head starts, people, some people's heads start hurting and so they say Spinning. that's enough mm. That's enough for now. Mm. Um, I'm tapping out. <laughs> uh, I think all of us like who are working in it, we, we, we hopefully over time get better at just explaining it in, you know, in, in really there's real world examples of what it can do for people in their lives. I mean, ultimately success will come from, I think, has to add real value to people's lives. Um, that's about it really, isn't it? To to I think so. Attraction. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that's very well said. On. Angela Clark, CEO of Wallet Nation. Amazing to catch up with you today. And all the very best with uh, the progress of Wallet Nation in the future. Best of luck with it all. And we'll be tracking with great interest the future of the business. So good luck and well done. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Justin. Thank you very much for having me. Bye.